Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you that every opportunity to, that we gather together is an opportunity to hear from you. It's an opportunity to grow, to be inspired, to be encouraged. Lord, but to be reminded, as we already have, that you love us, that you are for us, not against us. That if you are with us, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No matter what the circumstance we're facing, no matter what we left behind, we walked out the door of home tonight, Lord God, we know that we are safe and secure in your arms, in your presence. Lord God, we find a place of rest. Lord God, and you have opened up the doors wide in our lives so that we can live a wide open life, so we can take a hold of every opportunity and live successfully and victoriously and live as overcomers. Lord God, as young people, uh, we're surrounded by negativity, but with you, Lord God, we have an answer. And that is you living inside of us, speaking to us, encouraging us and building us up. Tonight, I pray that your word would hit hard, Lord, that it would change us and encourage us and prepare us for what you've got for us in 2013. Everybody said? Amen. Turn the next next to you. Give them a hug, a high five. So you guys ready for the Word? Hands up if you've been reading your Bible while you've been on holidays. <laughs> hey, well, at least you're honest. Did you guys hear me or are you just... Hands up if you read your Bible with, while you're on holidays. Okay, we've got more hands up. I'm not good. Hands up if uh, that was at home, not at church. Alright, well, we're still doing pretty good. Hey, um... If you're, in, if you're in year seven, why don't you just stand up? So this is your first year at youth. Here we got. We've got Reuben, and we've got Bevan, and not Stephen. Why don't you guys keep standing? Bevan? We're going we're gonna to pray for these guys. Is that cool? Graduated from Kids Church in the youth. This is where it's happening. Reuben's already got chocolate. Bevan's thinking, geez, I've picked a bad night to start. You're going to share it with Bevan, aren't you? Depends. Nelson, what year are you in? You're in year eight. That's right. So why don't we pray for these guys? Is that cool? You reach out our hands towards them and let's pray for these guys. Big year ahead, believing good things for them. Lord, we just thank you for Reuben and for Bevan. Lord, for the great men of God that they are. Lord, we just thank you that, that this year... What a massive change it marks going from year six into year seven. Oh God, but we know you got their back. And as they enter into high school, the big bad world, year seven to 12, people like Isaac Chapman there. Lord, we just thank you that you've got them covered, that you are with them. Lord, and we thank you that you've not just, you haven't got them there for just because it's the closest school. We've got them there for a reason, for a purpose. Oh God, you've placed them into that high school for a reason. They're there to influence the people around them and influence that place to bring light in where there's darkness. And we just speak courage and faith and boldness into their hearts, into their lives. We thank you for them and the great blessing they're going to be to us here at Ignition. And Lord God, we just pray that as they start their high school journey, they would know that you go with them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And why don't we, um, why don't we just get Josh and Courtney to stand also. We're going to pray for them. 
This is year two, they came back. Are you surprised? <laughs> I am a little bit. They survived camp, barely. And uh, youth camps are hard, aren't they? They are hard. You know, you guys, you know, who get to come along and enjoy camp and even, you know, and you just, uh, you know, thank God for, you know, your leaders, Josh and Courtney, and the team that they had as well. Lots of people helping them, but, you know, to carry the weight of a camp, knowing you're responsible for 50 kids, 40 kids, is crazy. But they came back this year, and I just want to pray for them. Is that cool? Because I, you know, as, you know, um, as a pastor in this place, but also just as someone who loves young people, I'm just so thankful that Josh and Courtney stepped up and um, said, you know what, we're going to give this a crack. And, and uh, I believe that they're God's people for now. They've done, a, they've done a great job first year. It's always the hardest, learning lots of new things on the run. They don't get, you know, they don't get a rehearsal. Who would like a rehearsal of being a youth pastor? They don't get the luxury of rehearsing. You've got to learn as you go. You make mistakes, you betcha. But you, you know, but you get back up and you go week after week, and um, so is that cool? Why don't you reach out your hands? Maybe some of our leaders can gather around them, and that would be cool. And I just want to bless these guys because I really appreciate them. I love them. They are hardworking in their jobs. They got a marriage to keep together and worry about as well, and then they pray for you as well, which is just really, really cool to think you've got someone in your corner. Lord, we just thank you for Josh and Courtney. Lord, we just pray blessing upon blessing upon blessing over their lives, upon their marriage, their finances, whatever thing that, would, uh, that they may be kept up at night by or they wake up thinking about. Lord, I just, I just thank you. You've got it covered. Lord, I pray that, that even now that they would know the things that are in their heart that they're perhaps concerned about or thinking about for the year. Lord, I just pray that you would give them a way through it, that you would give them wisdom, Lord God, that, that you would help them to... Uh, to to step out into that victorious, overcoming spirit that you've placed inside of them. Lord, we thank you for the vision that's on their heart. Lord, we thank you that they love our young people, Lord. We thank you for the, for the great call upon their life. And we just thank you that now is the season, that now is the time. We thank you for increase. Lord, a stretching as always. But Lord, you have equipped them with the ability to go through this season. And Lord, we just thank you for, Lord, great fruit at the end of each week, at the end of each term, at the end of each year. Lord God, most importantly, Lord, we just want to love on them. Lord, that they would know how much we appreciate them. Lord, for the time and effort they put in. Lord, would their marriage just be blessed this year? So fruitful. Yeah, maybe with kids even, I don't know, maybe. But uh, Lord, <laughs> let them just have a great time enjoying each other. Enjoying each other's companies. And, um, and we pray for Courtney as she goes away this missions trip. Lord God, we just thank you that that part of her heart, that mission's heart, gets to be fulfilled this year. Come on, God, come back to me. Gets to be fulfilled this year. Pray for Josh while she's away, that he can keep it together. And um, Lord, we just thank you for a blessed year. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Whoa. Hello. So tonight... Josh has asked me to introduce the theme for the term, which is I am second. Someone's turning that down, right? Yep. I am second. Everyone say, I am second. I am second. And who's ever seen one of those videos floating around? You see my Facebook every now and someone shares the I am second videos. Really, that many people, not many 
you should go check out IamSecond.com. And um, type in, it's just got like, all these celebrities, famous sports people, famous actors, Stephen Baldwin and the like, um, you know, politicians, most Americans, unfortunately, but they're pretty cool too. And, um, but sharing their story about how Jesus Christ came into their life, their testimony really, and, and, and making the statement that, hey, I put God first in my life. And um, so there's some really cool testimonies there. And I, I just love this whole thing that Josh and Courtney have jumped on board with, I am second. And their theme verse for, uh, for, the, for the term is Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 2 to 3. But I'm going to give you 1 to 4 because I'm that kind of guy. I'm going to give you more than you bargained for. Is that cool? So you should, that's right, the overflow. We're stepping into the overflow. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, you should have your Bible. And so open it up, you can read that. It says this, If therefore you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Paul's going to say, if you have any benefit, if there's any overflow, any fruit from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from His love, any uh, fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others, we're going to say others, better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests, there's that word again, of, oh damn, you guys are smart and good looking. <coughs> now, if you can only work on the smell. I'm just joking. I am second. I don't think you'll ever hear three words strung together that are so opposite to the world's culture. So opposite to what the world is trying to push on us. You've only been at school three, maybe two days, and already I can guarantee you've encountered people that live their life not like that live their life with a big I am first written across their forehead, tattooed across their arm, highlighted down their school shirt, I am first. It's the way they live their life. It's, it's so, the statement, I am second, is so opposite to the way the rest of the world works. It's confronting, it's unusual, it feels weird, it's not right. Everyone's me, 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 take, 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 get, get, get. Whereas this whole thing, I am second, is all about giving. It's all about serving. It's all about promoting somebody else rather than getting your own way all the time. It's about taking a step back and let somebody else get the spotlight every now and then. I am second. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's a complete 180, a different direction. You swim in the opposite stream. And so when you enter into a school of 800 kids, 600 kids, 500 kids, 1,000 kids, and they're all going one way and you're going this way, I am second, I guarantee you, it's going to be really, really, really hard. But the good thing is, you've got the God of the impossible on your side. So you've got no excuses. Yeah? Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, Jesus tells his disciples that if you want to be great, if you want to have it all together, if you want to be, you know, the best of the best of the best, the disciples are kind of fighting over who's going to sit next to Jesus. It's kind of like shotgunning the throne room of heaven. You know, they're going, shotgun, I've got the spot next to Jesus. You know, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I've done this, I've done I was there when he cast out the demon, I was there when he healed the blind man. I picked up the leftover spit in the mud from when he spat on the ground. I'm the greatest. Jesus 
says, he flips it all around and says, it's got nothing to do with that. You've got to follow my example. If you want to be great in life, you have to learn how to serve. You have to learn how to put others first. You, know, you have to learn how to live in this place of, I am second. Our world says that serving is for the weak. And get to the business world and you get into job and work. And even at school, it's, it's all about being, you know, number one. And, and the person that stops to help somebody in the playground, you know, they don't get no credit for that. The person that stops to pick up the rubbish in the playground, they don't get no credit for that. When I mean, they get laughed on and picked on, you know, oh, you're a do-gooder or, or whatever. No, you're just serving. The world doesn't recognize that. The world won't pat you on the back. But Jesus says, it's not for the weak, it's for the strong. Serving is for the strong. Putting others first will get you everywhere in life, not nowhere. The Bible says that serving is for the strong. I believe that serving is like going to war. Have you ever watched a war movie? What are those people doing there, serving their country? Stephen's about to join the army this year, maybe sometime, which would be really cool. I think he'd make a great army person. I would be more than happy and comfortable knowing that he's out there defending my country for me while I'm watching TV. But someone like Stephen, he's got it in his heart. You know what? I'm not just going to the army because I've got nothing else to do. I want to serve my country. I want to stand for something significant. I want to do something that means something in life, but I'm going to do it by serving my country. And if it means I have to lay down my life, well, I'll do it because I'm serving something great. I'm doing something significant. And so if you're not serving, you're not in the fight. If you're not serving at youth or in church, if you're not, you know, uh, you know, serving in Christian life, you're not serving others, if you're not living this I am second life, then you're not in the fight. And if you're not in the fight, then maybe you'll miss out on the fight's rewards. You've got to get in this fight. Living an I am second life is living a life on the battlefield. You've been called to go into war for souls, to go into, the, into war for your school, to go into war for your family and friends, to go into war for your workplace, to go into war for the kid next door whose mother and father have just broken up and gone through a divorce and he doesn't know whether or not his dad even loves him anymore. You're called to go into war for his life, for his soul. You're called to pray on his behalf. You're called to love him. You're called to enter into his life, embrace him and say, you know what? I know at the moment your home life is, is you know, it sucks, it's terrible and you think that the, your whole world's about to end. You might say a little bit more subtly than that. You know, a little bit more, I don't know, gentle like, hey, it'll be okay. But you're called to go into war for this guy or for this girl, whoever he may be or she may be. You're called to stand in the gap and embrace them and love them and serve them. And that is, is the path to greatness. You know, our world is obsessed. There you go. Our world is obsessed with, with celebrity and fame and fortune, is it not? Everybody wants to be like Justin Bieber. Well, you know what? You already are a celebrity. You already are a celebrity. So you can forget that and just start concentrating on serving. You know what the word celebrity means. It means one who is celebrated. That's what the word celebrity means, one who is celebrated. Well, I promise you, no one celebrates you more than your Father in Heaven. 
No one celebrates you more than the guy who gave up his life on a cross 2,000 years ago, who laid it all down when he didn't have to. He came from heaven to earth to die for you. He celebrates your life every day. You're a celebrity. So you can forget about going after number one and start serving others and letting them know, hey, you're a celebrity. You're famous in heaven. When you make a decision for Jesus, the whole place stops and starts singing and praising God because you just gave your life to God. The minute you walk, when you walk in the youth, Ellie gave her heart here not so long ago, a few years ago, four, five, six years ago, right here. When that happened, all of heaven stopped and started celebrating and having a party. She became a celebrity. All the angels knew her name. Jesus wrote it down in a book. She became famous. So forget about fame and fortune here on this planet because you've got it for eternity and start going after serving other people's lives. Amen? Serving. Going after them. Giving your life for them. I am second. Where am I at? You're called into a war against sickness, a war against poverty. You're called into a war against injustice, against hate, against depression, against suicide. All the things that, that teenagers struggle with so much, we are called. That's right, we, not me, not Josh and Courtney, not Scott, Donovan and Lauren. We, all of us, are called to go into war against this stuff. To pull it down. To take back ground that the devil has stolen from us. To walk in the Swansea High and declare that a place of salvation rather than a place of hope, hopelessness. Who's ever had, who's ever not realised They've had something that they wanted until it was too late. Make it like a microphone that works. Let me just, uh, you know, paint a picture like, who's ever gotten home and found they had $20 in their pocket when they just had to borrow money off someone else to pay for Maccas? Or you're in, you're, you know, you're at a party or you're at a friend's house and it's really, really cold and you're freezing. You know, you know what I could really do with a jacket? And then you jump in the car on the way home and there's one on the seat. You had it there all along and it's, Kind of like, well, if only I realised I had it sooner, I could have, I could have used it. I'm going to show you a quick clip now from um, one of my favourite movies, Dumb and Dumber. It's kind of like the best that our generation could come up with, and it's uh, it's pretty good. It's one of Josh's favourite movies, I know. So I thought I would play this clip. And um, you got that ready to go, boys? All right, here it comes. Who's seen? Who hasn't seen Dumb and Dumber? There you go. Who's, who's seen that movie again? A couple of people. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a great movie. There you go. Anyway, we'll get through it. So that, I kind of use that clip to show you what it's like to have something but not offer it to somebody else. Floyd had two pairs of gloves on and he, the other guy, what was his name again? Harry, his hands were freezing. He had something all along. He had something to offer. He had something that his friend needed, but he kept it to himself. And all this time, he's almost to the point where he's, the guy's, Harry's hands were about to fall off because they were so frozen. And he finally says, oh, I've got a second pair of gloves. Why don't you have them? And that sounds ridiculous. We laugh at that because of how stupid it is, because of how dumb and dumber it is. 
But we need to realise that a lot of us as Christians live our life the same way. We have answers that the world needs. They're freezing. Their hands are about to fall off because they're so cold. Yet we hold back because we're afraid to serve in the end. Because if somebody, if I have what somebody wants, then it's my job to serve them and to give that to them. That's what a servant does. A servant gives what they have to somebody else. The servant in your house would make you a cup of tea or make you some dinner. Then they would lay it out and give it to you. That's their job. That's my job. That's your job as a servant. We take what we have and we lay it out for our friends who are suffering in the cold, who are going through a hard time not knowing that Jesus loves them, not knowing that they've got somebody who created them that way. They're getting ripped off because they look a certain way, yet you know, that God loves them and He made them that way and they're made that way for a purpose and for a reason. And once we discover that, you would know that you've dis- what you've discovered, once you've discovered your purpose, you step into that, into your destiny, and you go, oh, that makes sense. God made me this way so that I could do this. God made me that way, this way so I could do that. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. What the world sees as weak, the Bible says, God calls it's strong and it's something that's a strength in our life. And so we need to start serving our school friends, start serving our family. The Bible said that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. So he was given two pairs of gloves. He was blessed with two pairs of gloves. So he what? So that his hands could sweat? No, that somebody, so that somebody else in need could have what he already had. So my question to you tonight, I am second talking about this, starting to live it out, there's no point just talking about it, is it? We need to start living it out. Is what is it that you've got that somebody else needs? If you can't think of anything, let me give you the answer. Jesus Christ. The gospel. Good news. Peace. Love. Hope. Hope. You have hope. You have the word of God. You have promise. You have purpose. You are blessed to be a blessing. I love it. I was listening to a... Um, actually, let's not go there. That's cool. <coughs> We're called to serve. We're called to make a difference. And um, I believe that right now in this moment of time that there is a window of opportunity, that we have a moment in time where the church can make as the, the biggest difference that it's ever made. You know, we look back in time and, and marvel at the miracles and the revivals. People like Smith Wigglesworth and Charles Finney who, who was on a train and as he drove through a train, uh, drove through the city on a train, well he wasn't driving, he was sitting in the carriage in a train and it went through a city and that city broke out in revival just because he went through on a train. Imagine what it would be like if you're driving your car down the highway, down the Pacific Highway and just because you're in that car and the presence of God and the anointing of God is on your life so strong that people in the houses start having encounters with God. And that's just unfathomable, yet it's happened. We look back at that. I believe that what's in front of us is greater. I believe that the window that's open now for us as a youth ministry and us as a church, not just here but in the nations, is is so great that we can step into something that they could only ever dream of and that we can see miracles and, and, and salvations and whole nations turn to God in a moment if we would just get this heart of I am second and stop worrying about ourselves and start focusing on serving others. Who would like to see some stuff like that? You know, I, 
we've, I've heard stories in America about high schools that have been turned around in a matter of months because young people start to, to stand up and pray. You know, we've talked about it. I've talked about it. Josh continues to talk about it, I'm sure, about Swansea High. And we haven't seen too much happening. We've seen bits and pieces. We've seen, you know, groups of people come into this place and get saved. Some of them have moved on. Some of them have stayed. That's cool. You know, I still believe that that place is ours. That we can take it, that we can bring the gospel in that place and see a turnaround and start to see young people who have no hope start to experience hope. Encountering God. Not because I'm in there, but because you're in there. Because here's the thing. Here's the, I'm going to give you the answer and the problem all in the same thing. Alright? It's you. It's me. It's us. I'm the answer, but I'm the problem. You're the answer, but you're the problem. You see, God's got no plan B. Jesus has been and he's gone. He's coming back, but when he comes back, it's pretty much all over, baby. Depending on what you believe, who knows what's going to happen. All I want to know is I don't want to be second-guessing someone's interpretation of Revelation. I just want to make sure I'm going. Jesus comes back, I'm gone. So there's no plan B. You are, I am, plan A. It's up to us. There's no one else coming. There's no, you know, we're not standing back waiting for something else to happen. Who is going to change Swansea High? You are plan A. You are it. You're also the problem. Because you're struggling, we struggle, I struggle when I was in school with this I am second thing. We are so, you know, I am first isn't just about selfishness, it's also about, you know, just focusing too much, you know, fear. Fear of others. What are people going to say about me? What are people going to think about me? That's living an I am first life, not an I am second life. Because where our fear is focused on us and it causes us to focus inwards rather than focus outwards. God wants to set you from that. So that you don't have to worry about what other people think or say. That's going to then allow you to step in this I am second life. I don't care what my friends think. I don't care about being popular. I'm a celebrity in heaven. I don't need it down here. I've got all my needs met there. I've got all the acceptance I need in the Word of God. I can go to my room and find that comfort and rest I need. I can go to youth and I can find acceptance for who I am and for who God's called me to be. But when I'm in school, I'm going to preach the gospel and see the place one because there is no plan B. I'm plan A. It's not up to Josh and Courtney. Josh doesn't go to Swansea High. Courtney doesn't go to Swansea High. What's their job? To remind you that you're plan A. Josh's mission field is in his high school. Courtney's mission field is in her workplace and amongst family and friends in Famax Street. Their strategy is to buy every house in the block. And then be like Gideon to put a Bible every room. Swansea High is yours. You are the answer, but you're also the problem. But God wants to use you. God wants to use you to change that place. And like what Josh was saying tonight, once you believe that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that God loves you, then watch out Swansea High. Because you will set that place on fire. Because you no longer be consumed by the fears of what your friends are going to say. You'll just be concerned about what God's going to say. And this stuff ain't easy. But it needs to be said. And it needs to be lived. God's not looking for the gifted. He's looking for the available. 
He's not looking for the gifted. He's not looking for the greatest guitarist. He's not looking for the greatest singer. He's not looking for the greatest preacher. He's not looking for the best looking dude or the best looking girl. He is looking for whoever is available. What happens in Israel, in the book of Judges, we read about Gideon. God comes to him and you know, the whole nation of Israel is being oppressed by the Canaanites and the Midianites and all these people that are picking on the Israelites. Kind of what happens at school. An angel shows up to Gideon and says, Gideon, I want you to do something about it. I want you to change this situation. I want you to rise up and to start to defeat your enemies. And Gideon's answer was, I am the weakest man in the weakest tribe. Why would you pick me? And God says to him, rise up, you mighty warrior. Rise up, you mighty warrior. Because it had nothing to do with his giftings. It had nothing to do with how strong he was. It had nothing to do with his circumstance. He just had to make himself a and God would use him because he had God on his side. David and Goliath. What did David do? Did he come and with a sword and a spear, with a machine gun, with a shotgun, with a nuclear-armed weapon? He faced him with five stones. But it wasn't even that. Because what did David say? This is what he said. Because you don't know. Unless you know it off by heart and then, well, you can have some of Reuben's chocolate. This massive big Philistine, he was about nine foot tall and as big as Donovan. And he's, he's yelling abuse at David. You know, this is like the first encounter of, um, of, of trash talking that we get in, you know, sports. And so Goliath's trash talking David and saying, you are nothing, you're just a boy, go back to your sheep. And David starts trash talking Goliath and he says, you uncircumcised Philistine. And you know, this is David's trash talk, and, uh, which is pretty good. Um, and then he says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in of the Lord God Almighty. It had nothing to do with five stones in his hand and a sling in his back pocket. It had to do with... by the power of God. And he knew who he was. He knew that God backed him up. And so he came against him. That had nothing to do with his ability. Had nothing to do with his giftings. What it did have to do with, was with the quiet times that he had with God in his, in his bedroom or with the sheep in the backside of the desert when it was just him. He got it right then. And so he was able to get it right in front of the giant. I want you to picture Goliath as Swansea High or Katara High, or St. Philip's, or Belmont, or whatever his school. That's your Goliath. David is our youth ministry. Which one's bigger? Youth ministry. Good answer. Which one has more numbers? The school. But which one's bigger? Which one's stronger? Which one's capable? No, they both are. Because you're the answer and the problem. Swansea High can rule you or you can rule it. It depends whether or not you approach it with a David mentality, I come against you in the power of God, or you approach it with the Israelites, the rest of the army. See, David was a little boy. There was a whole army that was standing there quaking in their boots. Couldn't do a thing because they were scared of this big giant. They didn't realize, they'd forgotten that God was on their side. 
I'm going to wrap it up. Maybe if I could have Ash. Picture Goliath of Swansea High. Your Goliath will keep you in the position of first if you let it. Your giant will into the position of first because you'll be worried about what people think about you. Worried about what they'll say. But you are called to fight. You are called to fight. To serve. To live a life for God and to live a life for others. God's given you two weapons. Kristen, can you just go get there's a jug of water in that. God's given you two weapons that will enable you to live this I am second life that will keep the focus off yourself and onto others. You know what? I honestly believe that everybody in here wants to live an I am second life. Yep? Everybody. There wouldn't be an exception. You all want to live an I am second life. You all want to live a life where you're serving others, where you're serving God, where you're living for something greater than yourself. But a lot of us won't and don't. And it's not because we love ourselves more. Often it's just because we're scared. We're fearful and so we're focusing on our weakness rather than focusing on God's strength. So our first weapon is purity. Everyone say purity. Now, we think when we hear the word purity that, that it's all about being holy and sinless. You already are that. Jesus Christ died You are forgiven. You are made whole. That's not what purity is. It's part of it, but it's not really what it is. Purity is about giving everything to God. Your whole heart. And that will result in a life that's free from all that stuff. Sin and all that rubbish that you don't want to get caught up in. But it's not the focus of purity. It's about giving your whole life. So I've filled this jug full with water. What color is it? clear. There's no colour. It's clear. Alright? Everyone see that? This is Aaron getting scientific. I did that real tight so that Sam couldn't get into it because I knew he would if he saw it. I'm just going to put the tiniest little bit in this. Let's just call it fear. That, that was a bit more than I wanted but Nothing compared to how much in that. So, you're going to stir that around or it's going to mix itself around anyway. What colour is it now? And how many drops did I put in? A couple of drops. Is it pure? Not anymore. Not anymore. Purity is about giving everything to God and keeping everything God. And the only way to get rid of that now is to tip it out and start again. We serve a God that's bigger than that. He can forgive you on the spot. You repent. And that's no problem for Him to clean up. But I just wanted to use that to paint you a picture that the tiniest little bit, well, I'm just going to have this relationship here for a little bit. I'm just going to see if it's good. I don't think it's going to be any good. I'm just going to give it a go. 
no good. And you guys know my stance on relationships. There's no boy in this room who's good enough for any girl in this room until you get to the age of 18. Because he's a boy, he's not a man. Any girl in this room, if you're looking for dating, you need to date a man. And he won't become a man until he's at least 18. And even then, maybe you have to wait till he's 30. I don't want to spoil your fun. But the thing is, is the relationships can just, they can, they can take us away real easy from the purposes of God. We need to keep ourselves pure. That's your weapon. Don't expect your weapon to fire if you're not keeping an eye on this purity thing. When you need it the most, when you need it the most, when, you, when your friends are sick or when your mum's sick or when something's going on in your life, you pull out your weapon, you go to fire it. Don't expect it to work if you haven't kept yourself all for God. Maybe it will, by the grace of God. I pray that it does if you face those times. But we've got to keep ourselves pure. Don't mess with that stuff. Alcohol, just, you know, stay away. Especially because you're under 18. No, thank you. Drugs, all that kind of stuff. Keep yourself pure. Live wholehearted. All or nothing. All access to heaven requires an all access into our life. If we want everything God's got, we've got to give Him all access. Our second weapon is worship, praise. Why don't you stand? We get those two things right, I believe you're well on your way to living a life that I that is I am second. You're well on your way to living a life that's serving others. If you can keep yourself for God and only for God. And if you can learn how to praise in the good times, in the bad times. There's a story in the Bible of Paul and Silas who are locked up in jail in the middle of this prison. It's not some nice fancy prison that we have nowadays. It was, it was terrible conditions. They were locked up in chains in the centre of prison. They had just been beaten within an inch of their life, smacked and slapped with rods that left their bones bruised, skin hanging off their backs. What would you do? I know what I would do and it wouldn't be anything like what they did. They started praising God. They started worshipping. They started singing. Everybody started looking and gathering out. What are these people doing? What are these guys on about? What are they singing? Who is this God they're singing to? Who is it that they're glorifying? Don't they know that they've just been whipped? They've just been tortured? If that is their God they're serving, why, aren't, why are they praising Him when He just let them go through all that? Why aren't they afraid of the jailers? Why aren't they afraid of what other people are thinking of them? Why aren't they afraid of what I might think of them? They didn't care about any of that. They just started praising God and they got louder and louder and louder as they started singing. Maybe they were singing something like running. Maybe they were singing, you know, how great is our God? How great is our God? Name above all names. King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, above my circumstance, I will worship. Above my circumstance, I will praise. You know what happened? Not only did their chains fall off, but the chains of everybody in that prison, everyone who was held captive, everyone that was held bondage, everyone in, in that place that was in prison, that had no hope, that had no purpose, 
all their chains broken, dropped to the ground. Because someone dared to stand up and say, I am second, God is first, I'm going to praise my God, I'm going to worship Him. If you go into your school and start praising God, whatever that may look like, it might not look like that story where you start shouting out songs in the middle of the playground. Let God direct you, but what if, whether you just witness to a friend and say, hey, God loves you. Hey, God loves you. Hey, I'm there for you. What can I do? Can I do something for your situation? Can I come over and help with, it, with whatever you're going through? As you start to praise and worship and put God first, you watch as the chains in your high school start to drop off your friends as the hopelessness that they were in starts to get turned around in the hope and pretty soon you'll start to see this place full. Row after row after row after row filled with young people who were discovering the presence and the goodness of God because you stood up. Because you praised God when no one else would. Because you decided, I'm not going to be afraid of my Goliath anymore. I might not have a javelin or a spear. I might not be the most popular, but I've got God on my side. I've got the presence of the Almighty God. I know that He loves me. I know that He is for me, and therefore no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that I know that I know that I'm called to make a difference, that I'm plan A. Amen? Let's close our eyes. first week of the year, I think it's always a good opportunity to make this altar open to you guys. Maybe some of you need some readjustments and maybe you just need to rededicate your life. Maybe some of you here have never given your life to God. I don't know. I don't know all of you. So I just want to give you the opportunity tonight if you want to make a first time commitment or if you want to recommit your life to God, I want you just to stand and come down the front. If you can't do it here, you're not going to do it there. So we may as well start with something. You want to recommit your life to God tonight? Or you want to give your life to God for the first time? Why don't you just slip out of your seat? I know there's someone, so I'm just going to wait. Don't be afraid. You're only going to be stepping into something great, something amazing, a greater level. All right, that's cool. If that is is you, why don't you just come and see me afterwards or see one of our leaders afterwards and I'll have to pray with you. I'm just going to finish by praying for all of you guys. Is that okay? I could ask you to respond to an altar call, but I'm not going to do that, so I'm just going to pray over you. And I send you out into your high school. Is that cool? The Bible sent the disciples, Jesus sent the disciples out into all the world with power, with authority. And so I'm going to pray, believe the same thing will happen for you as you go into your high schools for this year ahead. Amen? Why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you lift your hands? Up to God. Lord, we just thank you for these young people here tonight. We just thank you for their commitment. We thank you for their heart. Lord, to live an I am second life. To put others first. To serve. Lord, I thank you that we've chosen to give our lives completely to you. To live in that place of purity. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to praise 
in the good times and the bad times, that above our circumstance we'd find praise in our lips, that we would worship you. Through our praise, through our worship, through our lives of purity, Lord, we'll find ourselves in a place of influence where we can start to see our friends being saved, where your goodness would overflow, your blessing would overflow, your love, your joy, your peace, your hope would overflow from our lives into those around us. Lord, just by walking past people, we would change situations and circumstances. Help us, Lord God, not to be consumed with our own fear. Help us, Lord, not to be focused on what other people would think about us. Lord, but to, just to get over that, to get past that. Help me to get past that, to get over that. So that I can step out and serve the way you've asked me to. Lord, let's pray protection over every one of these lives. Lord, they've chosen to start this year in this place. And I pray that they would be here week in, week out for the year. That they would bring friends along with them. Lord God, I pray that nothing would take them away. Nothing would see them steered in a different direction. Nothing would, uh, would, would attract them away. Lord God, but they would be so focused on your presence. So focused on your love. So focused on your kingdom that they would find themselves in this place, sowing in, serving, and seeing great things happen. In Jesus' name, amen.